and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Here we go. Welcome to Tim and Friends. Thank you, Famous. Justin Rubinoff, Ailish Forfar with you. Uh, Tim is off again. He'll, bat, he'll be back tomorrow, but uh, we hope you'll stick with us for the next hour and a half, and hopefully we can continue the long-standing tradition of edutainment. Obviously, <laughs> uh, there is a massive baseball game ongoing at the moment. Win or go home, do or die, whatever cliche that you want to use, Canada is taking on Mexico at the World Baseball Classic. If you're looking for that game, it's over on Sportsnet 1. If you want to flip to that game, we will take zero, and I mean zero personal offense. We realize it is a massive game with massive implications. Currently 3-2 Mexico in the top of the sixth inning. It is a bit of a barn burner. Bo Naylor at home run in the fourth inning to make it a one-run game. Obviously, again, it is win or go home for Canada at the World Baseball Classic, trying to advance to the quarterfinals for the very first time. So if you'd like to flip over again, that game is on Sportsnet 1. But in other very pressing news from the day, Ailish, I have to ask, you are now past the 48-hour mark. So how is day three of being a puppy parent. The biggest joy of my life. Just. Is it? The yes. biggest joy it's of your life? So, other than coming on Tim and Friends, of okay, course. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a good answer. Uh, good my, answer. my little boy, Bunker, who we saw yesterday, if you watched Tim and Friends, uh, ate, oh, here he is again. <laughs> he's boy. so cute. You could just keep it on the whole time in one of these back screens. Uh, he's yeah, eight weeks old. Took him to his very first vet appointment today. He's healthy, happy. They said he's going to be a big boy, though. But he's going to be a How good big? boy. So. How big? Like, so he's uh, what, now? Like 10 pounds Yeah, now? he's already 10, 10 yeah. pounds. And He's eight weeks old, so we're looking at like 50 pounds or so. Oh, that's look funny. At him. You don't get he's that. I mean, so obviously cute. he's a puppy, but you don't get that when you're when you look at him. You don't realize he's going to be that no, big. Well, that's, that's a medium-sized dog. He's gonna, yep, he's gonna be a big boy. He's and already that, watching the sports. He's already watching yeah, Tim and Friends. Got us taped up there. He's at home. Thank you for the viewership. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> really there's thousands it, and thousands of people watching, and one dog. At I least. love it. I love it. All right, we got lots to get to on a busy hump day. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has made his intentions clear about where he wants to play next year. We will discuss that with NFL Network's James Palmer, former college basketball head coach. And current NBC Sports analyst Matt McCall stops by to talk March Madness. You have about I don't know, less than 24 hours now to make your bracket. I'm still editing. A yeah. race button. I, I don't That's, know. Everyone goes through That's why that. I need it's to talk really to difficult. him. You have one bracket or multiple? A few. Maybe some, yeah, like, some like, aliases too. I expected <laughs> that. Uh, and Stewie, Anthony Stewart, pops by to talk all things NHL. So why don't we get to first things first. Mm -hmm. And I will steal your line from yesterday, Ailish. Time to play the hero, Noah Skiro. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of the action in the NHL last night. Mm. The Habs and the Canucks picked up wins. While the Jets lose 5-2 to Carolina and the Flames lost in overtime to the lowly Coyotes. Who wrote that? That's mean. But we begin with the Sens, whose playoff push continues to fall off the rails. Edmonton scored three goals in the second period. Never looked back, handing the Sens their fourth loss in their last five games. Ottawa remains six points back of a wild card spot, but they're running out of games, Jesse. Was that it for the playoff hopes for the Senators? Uh, yes. It, it, I think the Sens are, are cooked, but uh, I don't necessarily think it's because of how far back they are in the standing. Six points back of the Islanders with two games in hand, eight points back of the Penguins, but it's who they play 
mm. coming up. Uh, it is a very difficult stretch here. They play the Avs, Leafs. There you're seeing it. Penguins, Bruins, Lightning, oh Devils. Boy. No I mean, lowly it's, coyotes it's there, It's one eh? thing. No, not, not at all. <laughs> it's one thing to sort of have the, the ability to come back and be playing good hockey. They're not playing great at the moment. But you'd like to have a bit of an easier schedule mm. if you're going to try and make some hay. But nonetheless, obviously, they've sort of slumped here at the wrong time. A lot of really, really good building blocks for the future. And I think all you could ask from the Ottawa Senators coming into this year, yes, they were expected to take a step. And a step was mm -hmm. competing for a playoff spot. And quite frankly, they have done that. They've been playing meaningful hockey in the month of March. Tim Stutzla scoring again last night, 33 goals. Brady Kachuk getting on the board. You obviously have a lot of really good pieces here for the Ottawa Senators. And now this young team, this young up-and-coming team, has sort of wet their beak when it comes to playing hockey that really matters and I think that's only going to bode well for the future obviously they got to figure some things out in net because they are getting scored on a ton and that has really become an issue over the last week or so but nonetheless it's a building block for the future and I expect the Sens really to, to take another step next year and they'll be they'll be good for for the foreseeable future yeah I feel like it's a fun team to watch the rise of right now it'd be nice to have the battle of Ontario back uh, spicy here at yeah. least in this market I think we saw a couple runs of that being something that we tune in as as Toronto here um, but I think you're right I wouldn't say that's been a disappointment I would say that they took the strides that they needed to take at this point for sure um, you know they got the new guy Ch Jacob Chikrin who's who's keeping the headlines going good. so I think good, they've yeah. got a good future ahead of them I don't think Sens fans can be too upset with how the season's gone you mentioned uh, the Calgary Flames losing to the um, lowly Coyotes I didn't write down at that. Mullet Arena. Uh, there's just <laughs> the lowly. The, uh, they beat the Leafs all the time, so how can they beat yeah, the lowly right, Coyotes? Right. Really, right? <laughs> the the Flames theme for the year just has been their inability to win close games. They lead the league in one goal losses, which is uh, crazy. They lost again in overtime. They're five and fourteen in extra time this season. And it's just such a bizarre situation because it, it, a couple of those games go a different way and suddenly you're not really on the outside of the playoff picture. Mm -hmm. You're right back in it. And I still think that there's time to turn things around, but losing to the, to the Coyotes <laughs> is not how you want to get it done. That's not how you're going to get there. It seems like the they, Huberto and Codger being back a couple games ago seemed like that helped. They got them out on the right foot, but then as soon as... You see the highs for the Flames, suddenly come the lows, and the lows are what you saw last day. It's just a very bizarre season in Calgary. Yeah, especially after that offseason, right? I think a lot of people thought the, the Flames were shooting for at least a playoff push, a President's Trophy type season, yeah. and they spent a lot of money doing so. So I think I feel a little bit more um, uncertain about my future if I was a Calgary Flames fan than an Ottawa Senators fan, but they have the pieces. They just got to get them to work. Yeah, the Markstrom's playing better, but you got to figure it out. Okay, <laughs> um, in other NHL news, the GM meetings wrapped up today, and Commissioner Gary Bettman spoke to the media to address several topics, perhaps most notably, he addressed the current playoff format and if it will change in the future. It's a hot-button issue. Check out his answer. Two things. If you've been tracking it for the last month, uh, there isn't much difference between either format. Uh, we we think, and and I think it can is concurred with uh, with the general managers. What we've got works really well. I know that some people may have a preference for doing things differently, but this is working well, and we don't we're not looking to make any changes. Mm. 
Hmm. So the playoff format isn't changing. The question is, Ailish, would you like to see the playoff format change go against Gary Bettman? Yeah, you know, I would. I think it's been tough knowing that the Maple Leafs were going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning for the last, I don't know, eight months. And yeah. I think that it'd be great to see some different matchups. I know that the rivalry is something that they, they say will, will continue to be a part of the reason that these formats are the way they are. But, you know, you just look at the teams that have clinched. And I find that t you might even take your foot off the, the gas a little bit down the stretch when you know where you're, where you're at, who you're going to be playing. So I could see the point for either way. I just think Gary Bettman uh, is a guy that stands hard and fast in what he likes and uh, isn't going to budge too much. And yeah. as you said, uh, Looks like that's going to be the way she goes. Well, he doesn't care what people think. The fans, right. <laughs> I think, primarily would, would like the playoff format to be changed. But if you look, dig a little deeper, it seems like the GMs like the playoff format mm -hmm. and the owners like the playoff format. And you wonder, who does Gary Bettman have to answer to? Those Certainly guys. the owners. And I think he would probably listen to the GMs before he would listen to the players anyway. Mm -hmm. A commissioner's job is not to be liked. That's a reality. You look at any major sport, you have Rob Manfred in, in baseball, Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, the shine has sort of worn off a little bit on him in the NBA. Batman doesn't care if the fans like him. He's going to do whatever he thinks the owners like. And if you're hearing from this clip that the format is working, you know where that's coming from. It's not coming from the players. It's coming from the owners. Uh, one other topic that came up has to do with the salary cap because I know certainly what we've seen at least during the trade deadline, it was a circus because you have all these teams trying to work around the salary cap. So naturally, Gary Bettman was asked about the salary cap moving towards the future. Is there still any possibility that the, the remaining money is paid off uh, owed to the owners and we might see more than a million dollar cap? Well, two issues on that. One, based on our current projections, which are aggressive, but we think we're going to meet them, uh, in terms of hockey-related revenues, there still will be an escrow. If we even exceed those projections, there's a possibility that the escrow gets paid off and the cap goes up more, but that's a possibility. I, I think it's more likely than not we will still see an escrow balance. I think GMs would probably like to see the salary cap go up just based on I what we saw at the trade deadline. I'd pick that. You pick the salary yeah. cap to go up over the playoff format? I would. You think it does, it helps out movement in the league? 100%. And, yeah. Like, look at how the trade deadline went. You have teams 50% retaining, double with, retention. You have teams with players that don't even play in the league anymore yeah. on their roster, hiding stash money. You have the Arizona Coyotes, who we just talked about many times in the show already, you know, being a banker for other teams. I, I like that there's some creativity yeah, there, but there's some players here that, you know, the, the cap really limits the way that they can earn money. Look at every other league in the, in the professional sports world. The NHL's quite far behind that. Yeah, there's no question about that. Finance has got to... Got to make sense, though. Uh, you want to talk some basketball? I sure do. Last night's Raptors game was electric. Let's turn over the Raptors where they were back home to host the Nuggets last night. And clearly the home cooking sparked the Raptors, who scored a franchise record 49 points in the first quarter. Fred VanVleet led the way on the score sheet with a game-high 36 points as the Raptors beat the West leading Nuggets 125-110. Jesse, surprised at all by the way that the Raptors came back home last night? Not really. Uh, interestingly enough, just because th this is who the Raptors are. One night, they're great, mm -hmm. and another night, they're infuriating. <laughs> it's a bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> it is a bit of a roller coaster, but if you look, go into the numbers a little bit, it sort of makes sense because the way that they play, they don't shoot the ball great, but they shoot more than other teams because mm -hmm. they, they cause steals, they cause turnovers. They have more possessions. And you look at last night's game, even the numbers – 
Uh, the Raps shot 52.7% from the field. They attempted 17 more shots than Denver, made seven more field goals. So you have a good shooting night. A lot of times the Raptors can win. But the issue is that they're the 28th best, or I guess you should say worst, shooting team in the league. So a lot of nights this year when they struggle to shoot, it just doesn't work. It doesn't add up. But I will say last night's performance, the word that comes to mind is resilience. Mm. Because they were up big on Denver, a team that's first in the West, going through some struggles of their own. Denver cuts the lead down to three. And I think the way things were going for the Raptors, it's, you would have thought, you know, it's possible they could, they could fold here. They could crumble a little bit. And they didn't do that. And it was led by Fred Van Vliet. And they just showed you what they're capable of. Am I here to say that they're going to be able to be this consistent moving forward or consistent in any sense of the word? I have no idea. But sometimes <laughs> when they shoot the ball well, they have the potential to beat teams like Denver, the Denver Nuggets. And that's what we saw last night. Yeah, resiliency is a great word. I think also leadership. You look at what Fred Van Vliet and co. said last time that they played the Denver Nuggets just over a week ago. Uh, it was a fiery a fiery game. One of the Raptors' best performance of the season. And then you have an opportunity to play these guys once again at home where the Raptors have been really, really doing well at Scotiabank Arena. And it was led by Fred Van Vliet. That's yes. the leadership that you want from a guy that if you're going to try to play in for something, play in for what? Well, play you need your what? guys like Fred Van Vliet to lead <laughs> the way last night um, with an incredible offensive performance. But honestly, just what he's doing in terms of facilitating as well has been super impressive. Um, if they can string together performances like that, they're a feisty team. I wouldn't want to uh, play them in a play-in round. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't think anybody would really want to play them because they are capable of doing damage like you saw last night. Uh, just shout out quickly to OG Ananobi with a ridiculous <laughs> putback last night. and Sick. 22 of 28 <laughs> from the field over his last two games. So OG has been fantastic and that's certainly helping the Raptors. An update on John Morant, uh, officially suspended by the league for conduct, conduct detrimental to the league today. It's an eight-game suspension, but because of the games that John Morant, the Grizzlies, has already missed, he is mm -hmm. eligible to return on Monday. So that is the latest when it comes to the Ja Morant story in the National Basketball Association. But we move on now to the NFL. We got some of the latest news from the NFL. Former two-time rushing champion Ezekiel Elliott will be released by the Cowboys today. The Buccaneers have a new quarterback signing Baker Mayfield to a one Year deal. Star safety Jordan Poyer is re-signing with the Bills. And Juju Smith-Schuster is signing a deal with the Patriots. But the big story, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. A report surfaced Monday that Rodgers was heading to the Jets. But since then, the fact that a trade hasn't been made has cast doubt about whether or not it will actually happen. Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show today to clear the air. At this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Okay. Um, and I haven't been holding anything up at this point. It's been compensation that the Packers are trying to get uh, for me. So I guess the assumption is that this deal is going to happen. I mean, I don't know how many more other ways we can put it into the same sentence exactly. by saying it's going to happen, but maybe, but not. It's got, it's got to happen. You got to um, credit the Packers for just uh, for sort of digging in a little bit and saying like, <laughs> he, we need some compensation if you're just going to take yeah. Aaron Rodgers from us. But I want to know, in your perspective, does this make the Jets a Super Bowl contender? A Super Bowl contender. Mm, 
I just look at the AFC East, and that that's an AFC East that's a beast, right? And I think oh, no doubt. certainly it, it moves a needle, not like yesterday when we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo signing and the odds staying exactly the same for that franchise. This will do a lot for the Jets, don't get me wrong. Um, they have the pieces, they have the quarterback now. I don't know about a full-on Super Bowl projected finalist even, but I'm going to say, you know, anything can happen when you got Rodgers in there. He's obviously got picking hand picking players that he wants to also join him. I think mm-hmm. it's more than just that. It's who's going to come along with him and we'll see, but I mean the AFC East is scary. So, anything can happen and I'm liking that the the Bills have also been able to to keep uh, Jordan Poyer cuz uh, yeah, I think you, that's big for the Bills Yeah, that fans. is big. Jordan Poyer <laughs> re-signing with the Bills. Uh, it, it is big. I wonder if the division's getting up there in terms of like best divisions uh, in all of football. A couple of interesting notes mm-hmm. from Rodgers and what he had to say. He was 90% leading towards retiring before his meditation retreat <sighs> that he had a couple of weeks ago, which is interesting. How do you put it, like a number on that? It's, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. For clicks, maybe? I have no idea. 90%. Um, <laughs> and also... Uh, He's reunited with Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, mm. things did not go well for Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, but he is now the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. So, assuming this goes through, then Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett will be reunited. Um, I mentioned earlier that Ezekiel Elliott is moving on or parting ways from the Dallas Cowboys. A, a fine career with the Cowboys, obviously, uh, multiple times over a thousand yards rushing, uh, but the final play. Oh. With the Dallas Cowboys. Oh boy! This is what uh, many fans will remember <laughs> from Zeke. Uh, yeah, that's Zeke right in the middle, snapping the ball to Dak, and just got absolutely blown up. So uh, a great career, frankly, on. a great career in Dallas for Zeke. But that is the final play <laughs> that Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, that's tough. Will have in Denver or in uh, Dallas. That's rather. a memory right there that you want to forget. Oh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's continue here on First Things First with the Toronto Blue Jays. Got some good news ahead of today's spring training game against the Pirates. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was back in the lineup after suffering a knee injury less than two weeks ago. Meanwhile, Kevin Gossman took the mound for his third start of the spring. Why don't we get to the highlights? Some beautiful weather in Florida. Gossman hasn't allowed a run over five-plus innings so far in the spring. Top of the first, the 32-year-old comes out dealing, fooling batters with his splitter. That is a nasty pitch. Strikes out three Pirates. All with the signature pitch. And here is Vladdy back after missing time with right knee inflammation. Jays fans breathing a big sigh of relief to have him back in the lineup. Bottom one, Vladdy ground ball, hustles down the line. How's that knee holding up? Looks good. Look at him go. Put in the knee to the te- test early. He'd be stranded top of the second. Back to Gossman, dialed in. Picks up a pair of strikeouts. He had five Ks through the first two innings. Top of three, two men on, two out. Gossman, wee bit of a jam. That's his seventh K. Going four and a third extends his shutout streak to eight plus innings in the spring. Comforting for Blue Jays fans. Bottom of the third, Guerrero Jr. in his second at bat with a man on second. Hammers one to left field, off the wall for an RBI double. Vlad finishes one for three. Toronto wins 7-1. And after the game, Vlad, he spoke on how he's feeling. I feel pretty good, almost 100%. I lost a week, week and a half. Uh, I thought it was going to slow me down a little bit, but actually with the at-bats today, I felt pretty good, so I'm, I'm, I'm there, almost there. It looked good. Um, you know, ran well, hit the rocket off the wall. Um, his at-bats have been really good. I think today was just it was nice to see him move around at first, um, get down the line, and obviously the double. So, yeah, he looked good. 
All right, well, uh, we mentioned a pretty big baseball game, not just the Blue Jays, but a very big baseball game happening at the World Baseball Classic. Canada and Mexico is win or go home. The winner advancing to the quarterfinals, something that Canada has never done at the World Baseball Classic before. They send 30-year-old Rob Zestrizny to the bump, top of the first, two on, one out. Zestrizny comes set, breaks his hands before stepping off, called for a bop. Runners move to second and third. Next pitch. Former Blue Jay, Rowdy Tellez, flare in the center, drops, scores two. Mexico goes up. Two zip early. Bottom of the first. Bases loaded for Blue Jays prospect Otto Lopez. Base hit up the middle of run scores. Canada cuts the deficit in half. We got ourselves a ball game, top of the second. Randy Arozarena. Liner the other way gets all the way to the wall. Austin Barnes scores from first as Mexico restores the two-run lead. We go back and forth here as Rosarena says, look at me. Bottom four, Jose Urquidy hangs a curveball bow nailer. Does he get all of it? Indy, first homer of the tournament. Canada back within a run, top of the sixth. Mexico threatening with bases juiced. Arozarena, can he do it again? Ground ball down the line, gets into the corner. Bounces around a little bit in the corner. All three runners coming to score. Mexico jumps out to a 6-2 lead. It is now 7-2 in the top of the six. So obviously a steep hill to climb for Canada trying to make their way to the quarterfinals for the first time ever at the World Baseball Classic. That game is on Sportsnet 1 ongoing. So not not ideal at the not, moment not for ideal. our country. Hey, uh, I thought a red jersey would be a good thing, but they're both wearing red jerseys. So yeah, what, <laughs> fortunately, it was hard to tell who was winning. <laughs> what's the deal with that as the hitting ends? Uh, looks uh, like at least the like that might Canadians be get out of it there. But what's, what's, yeah. the, what's the deal with it? The, the jerseys have been too much of a conversation yeah, for the World yes. Baseball Classic. It would but. be confusing if it was hockey or football, even more confusing. All right. Baseball, it can work. Well, the winner of this game will advance to the semifinals in Miami on Sunday. And it uh, looks like it's Cuba versus Australia. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look here. Tied at one, Tim Canelli. Deep to left field. Roel Santos ranges back, makes a great catch at the wall mm. to keep it tied. That's fired up. Bottom of the fifth, Cuba leading 2-1. Yoel Kiskier, ground ball through the right side. Two-run score on the single. Cuba takes a 4-1 lead. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Those are good jerseys, I'll say that. Top of the nine, lead now just to one. Two down, Rydell Martinez strikes out. Daryl George and Cuba head to, heads to their first semifinal since 2006, winning 4-3 over Australia. That's yeah, going to be fun down in Miami. Cuba That'll looking be, to go on a run. It'll be a great atmosphere for yeah, sure. No doubt. Uh, okay, lots more to come here on Tim and Friends. Anthony Stewart stops by to discuss the Leafs and the Avs tonight, the West playoff race and takeaways from the GM meetings, which we addressed a little bit. We'll dig deeper into that. The NFL Network's James Palmer on the flurry of moves as the NFL League season officially opens. And plus, after the break, it's tourney time. We'll tee up March Madness and try to get some help with our brackets because you know we need it. Yeah. <laughs> former NCAA coach, turn analyst, Matt McCall. That's coming up on Tim and Friends. It's hump day. They'd like to move on. They've let me know that in so many words. They've let, they've let other people know that in direct words. 
because I still have that fire and I, I, and I want to play and I would like to play my work. Uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, getting that done at this point. Tries a pass to Omar, back to the net, centers, they score! First career goal for Guillaume Brisebois! Rangers and the Caps do battle for the first time ever at NHL game in an animated universe. What do you want the NHL to do? You want us to fix your broken TV? I was hoping you could uproot a real NHL game and move it to Big City, preferably right outside my house. Uh, I think I might regret this. Welcome back. March Madness is here. Let's take a look at the odds powered by Bet Rivers. The women's tournament tips off Friday with the defending champs, South Carolina. Overwhelming favorites at minus 240. That's pretty crazy in a 64-team tournament. That is ridiculous. At, that's how good they that's are, Jesse. They are perfect 32-0 this season, led by Aliyah Boston and featuring Canadian Letitia Emma here. So, yeah, maybe you're looking for some value elsewhere. And uh, the men's tournament gets going round one tomorrow. Houston, the betting favorites with other seeds, one Alabama, Kansas, and Purdue, all popular picks as well. Cannot wait. It's a whole new game. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Well, I haven't touched my bracket yet. No, like, I'm a procrastinator. Blank sheet, ready yeah. to fill it out. Yeah, we have less than 24 <laughs> hours now, and. Uh, even if you may change things around, or I think you may change things around after this conversation with the next guest, who <laughs> has actually been to the dance before as a head coach at Chattanooga. He was named the 2016 Southern Conference Basketball Coach of the Year. Also spent five seasons as a head coach at UMass, current college basketball analyst for NBC Sports, and a regular on the Field of 68 show, sponsored by our good friends <laughs> at Bet Rivers. Please help me welcome to Tim and Friends, Matt McCall. Thanks for doing this, Matt. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to talking some hoops. Woo. And uh, How do you not have your brackets filled out yet? Because I, I knew we, I was going to talk we to you. Last night. We, had the, <laughs> we had the 16 teams playing last night. We had a great game with Mississippi State and Pitt. we got, we got to have those brackets filled out. we got too much, too many papers going on here. This is a sports show. We do everything. So there's just a lot going on. But we are going to get to it. And I want to begin with some Canadian content. Uh, Zach Eady, seven foot four, big man out of Purdue. Purdue ranked number one. This is a guy who didn't start playing organized basketball uh, until the 10th grade. And here he is. He's a Sporting News Player of the Year. Uh, he is the overwhelming favorite for the John Wooden Award for Best Player in College Basketball. Uh, how impressed have you been with Zach Eady's emergence, not only this season, but in previous years? And how far do you see Purdue going in this tournament? Well, I think Purdue can absolutely make a run to the Final Four. Um, I think the biggest thing for him is, first of all, Edie's absolutely outstanding. And you look at their team, and everyone was kind of counting them out. No one was really thinking early on in the season that they were going to be uh, a Final Four contender, a national championship contender. Um, and, you know, you go look at their schedule in November and December, and all they did was win games. That's that's all they did. And that's what uh, kind of brought them onto the scene. But um, I think the biggest thing for Purdue is, is Edie's going to get double teamed. Right. And I think he's a really good passer, especially with his size. And you, I mean, you think about that. We talk about, you know, how good he is down on the block and his operating his feet, his hands, and how good he is 
uh, at scoring down there, but I think he's good at passing as well, and he's going to get double teamed. So I think the biggest keys for Purdue to get to Houston will be, can they take care of the basketball? You look at some of the losses that they had, especially coming down the stretch uh, in league play, they struggled at times with turnovers, and can they make threes? And that's what the tournament – I mean, anybody can get hot at any point in time. Um, you saw it last year with St. Peter's. So uh, if they're going to double-team Edie, can can they make threes when the ball comes back out of the post to those guys? And if they can do that, they can win a national championship. they got to take care of the basketball. I think that's big. Um, and they've got to be able to make threes. But w- what they've been able to do this season – I mean, no one was picking them before the no. year to, to, to get to Houston. No, no, nobody even like considered it. Um, and I think the most impressive thing when you watch Zach Eady play, and this is just my opinion, is just how hard he plays, right? I mean, not only offensively, because he screens, he runs the floor, he gets himself open, but what does every team try to do with him? They try to put him in pick and rolls, make him guard pick and rolls, and try to wear him down. And you don't wear him down because he plays so hard. And I think that's the most impressive thing when you look at Zach Eady. It's amazing. Seven foot four. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's probably, probably helps a little yeah, bit. Eh? A little bit. <laughs> so you mentioned St. Peter's, the Peacocks last year. An absolutely incredible story to follow. I like the underdogs, the team that has just comes out of nowhere <laughs> mm. and makes a run for it. Is there a team that you're circling to kind of be the Cinderella story this year? I think it's hard with this tournament because of the parity in college basketball, where do you, you know, I, you, you, like you guys are struggling with filling out your bracket. I mean, I, I filled out my bracket too, and this is the first year that I've been able to do that because I've always uh, been a coach, and 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 they shut up on that. Don't ever fill out a bracket. So um, I, I think because of the parity in college basketball, this is really really hard. And to pick a Final Four, it's easy to circle the number one seeds. It's easy to circle the number two seeds and say, hey, these guys are going to make it to Houston. I think someone that nobody is thinking about is going to make it to Houston. I really believe that. Who that team is, man, I, I you know, I, I'm a, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, spending five years in the Atlantic 10, I have great respect for VCU. I think what mm-hmm. they did, and I was, I was in studio in the Atlantic 10 tournament uh, for NBC Sports, and uh, I was picking Dayton. I was picking St. Louis. I thought their talent level was absolutely outstanding. And what did VCU do? They just found a way to win the tournament, just like they found a way to win the regular season. Uh, so there's a will there. So, you know, keep an eye on that matchup, the St. Mary's VCU, and then the second round versus UConn or Iona. I mean, what a game that's going to be. You're Danny Hurley versus uh, Rick Patino. I, I mean, wow, people need to key in on that, that 4-13 matchup. I think UConn may be a little bit more more deserving of a four seed. Uh, And Iona had a 13. Uh, You know, when I was at Chattanooga, we were the 12, and we played Indiana in the 12-5 game, and Indiana just won the Big Ten. (laughs) So uh, sometimes seeds don't make sense, but I think VCU is a team to keep an eye on, and I'm not just saying this because I live in Florida and I'm, I'm close to FAU's campus, but what Dusty May and FAU have done this season, uh, over 30 wins, they have team chemistry, they're unselfish, they defend, they have a good front court player. That's a tough game versus Memphis in the first round, uh, but if they can get past that, that's a difficult matchup for Purdue in the second round versus FAU because, you know, Vlad Golden has the size to match up with Edie. So uh, that's another team that I would keep my eye on. But, it, you know, you see some of these, but you see a team like Colgate and, you know, as a 15 seed. Mm-hmm. And Colgate had an unbelievable year. And everyone's like, ah, 15s can't beat twos. 
don't count them out either. And I mean, that's a that's a really, really good team matching up against Texas. A great respect for Texas for what they've done, considering the you know situation they were in all year. Um, but yeah, that's a that's another one to keep an eye on. Drake is a 12 seed lining up against Miami. Is Miami fully healthy? We'll see. Um, but there's just think there's such great parity this season in college basketball that. As you guys start to fill that out after the show, uh, you know, I, I would I would pick some underdogs and, and roll the dice and see what happens. I've been taking notes this entire time. I know Ailish has been too. She's been typing away. Uh, we got to have your final four picks now after that mm. fabulous answer. I have notes basically all the way up until the Sweet 16, but can, if you could give us a final four that you're out. thinking, it would be very helpful oh, for man, both of I, us, I, I know. You know, I, you know, here's another team that I don't think people are talking enough about. Uh, is Gonzaga and the adversity that they've been through in tournaments prior to this they're kind of flying under the radar they were ranked in the top five I believe to start the season they lost some games early Mark Few uh, they they scheduled unbelievably difficult I don't think anybody played a more difficult schedule in the non-league than Gonzaga did and they still have that guy right there in Drew Timmy and they came into their own and everyone thought they were going to lose that championship game uh in their in their conference championship game and what they do they just went on to win by 20 plus so um that's a team that I think a legit can make the final four and win a national championship the whole story of Houston is great uh, you'd love to see Houston make a Final Four run, and I know everybody would love to see that because the Final Four is in Houston. Um, I just don't know that they're as battle-tested mm-hmm. as some of these other teams. Uh, what Alabama's been able to do, uh, especially with the distractions that has faced their program this year, and UCLA is not fully healthy. Uh, but going into it, I, I, I would have definitely picked UCLA to to get to the Final Four and, until they lost Clark. So. Um, I like the Arizona team. I do. I think they have one of the best front courts in the country. Uh, when you look at Kirk, he's in what he's been able to do this season. They can score points. They can get hot. Don't sleep on Arizona in that region. Uh, and then Marquette. Uh, you know, I was uh, another guy that was kind of picking against Marquette in the Big East tournament because I thought UConn could make a run and get past them. Um, but all they did was, hey, we won the regular season. We're going to go win the tournament, too. So there's something special. When you see teams that are able to do both, uh, that shows you that there's something special going on in that locker room. So uh, don't count that, them out either. All right, super quickly before you let you go. The men's side seems like anything can happen, but the women's side, South Carolina, under like just incredible odds just to win. I mean, minus mm-hmm. 240, I think mm-hmm. we just saw. Crazy. Can anybody beat them, or are they just going to roll back to their second uh, consecutive win? Yeah. So you guys are so – you, you don't think Gino can get them? I mean, we're, we're, we're picking against the <laughs> oh, That's what the odds women's say. Women's basketball eh? coach of all time. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, what Don Staley has done and created at South Carolina is truly remarkable. Credit her, credit her staff, credit her team, and credit her players. Um, it's 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 fun to watch. I mean, it's you know I've been on the men's side obviously my entire career, but you see what she's done uh, at that place, which is traditionally a, a, a football town, a football area, and women's basketball is at the forefront of that university. Um, I think if anyone can challenge them, it's got to be UConn and Gino. I would never uh, pick against him. I mean, a true legend. 
you know, you look at, at, at women's college basketball, you think of Pat Summit, you think of Gino. And, um, you know, I had a couple opportunities, uh, God rest her soul, to, to, to meet Coach Summit when I was at Chattanooga. And then uh, there was a year that when I was at Florida, we, we won the national championship and they won the national championship. And we were both in New York and, and Coach Donovan and her were, were receiving the, the rewards uh, at the New York Athletic Club. So spent some time with their staff. Um, she was just unbelievable. But you think of, of women's college basketball, you think of Gino, you think mm-hmm. of Pat Summit, and now you think of Dawn Staley and what she's done at South Carolina. So tough to pick against her, but I'm not, I'm not if there's anyone that can do it, it's the UConn Huskies for sure. Well, we have been educated very thoroughly, <laughs> and we will get to filling out our brackets uh, tonight in time for the tournament. Seth, Matt, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. It's been fun. Anytime. Enjoy the tournament. All right. Well, uh, I took copious notes. I'm ready to take a break and <laughs> fill them in. <laughs> On the other side of the break, we'll discuss the latest in NFL free agency, the latest with Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, with the NFL Network's James Palmer. Joining us next on Tim and Friends. Is Love it. Give me a pen. Yeah, here. Let me Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim, back tomorrow. Jesse Nalish with you. Uh, James Palmer coming up in moments to talk NFL free agency. Uh, also counting down the Avs and Leafs on Scotiabank Wednesday night. Hockey, the Leafs coming off a loss to the Sabres Monday and tough games with the Avs and Hurricanes on the way. Sheldon Keefe was asked if tonight is a measuring stick game against the Cup champs. We've had no shortage of uh, difficult matchups and difficult games here recently. And today is another one, and there's more coming here for us. So, uh, you know, there's that, that stretch of the schedule where, where we've, you know, you've got to be real good. I mean, Colorado's definitely playing more like you, you'd, you'd had expected them to, to get to in terms of their quality of play and level of play. They're in a much different spot than when we saw them uh, around New Year's there. So, yeah, to that degree, I mean, we, you know, they have injuries and such, but... The, the way that they play as a group and certainly with their, their best people on forward and defense, they keep you very honest. Well, big game tonight. Sean McKenzie and Anthony Stewart will be with more Leafs and Hockey Talk. But let's get back to the NFL yeah. as we welcome in NFL Network's James Palmer. Yes, indeed. So, James, let's just start with the big ticket item. Is Aaron Rodgers happening with the Jets or are we just being bamboozled once again? I do have to start this, guys, with I was at two Avs games last week in Colorado. Saw them beat San Jose, saw them beat Phoenix. Uh, They are playing much better lately. We're seeing a different Kill McCarr. We're seeing uh, McKinnon (laughs) McKinnon play well. I'm sorry to say, McKinnon's (laughs) been out of his mind lately. So, yeah, they are. I agree agree with Coach there. They're playing uh, playing their best (laughs) hockey right now. I'm going to be honest. I watch all the games. So, yeah, let's let's jump right into Aaron Rodgers, though. This is what happened today. Um, We finally heard from Aaron Rodgers about where everything stands with him. This is what he said on the Pat McAfee show. I was one of about, I think, 450,000 people watching that today, which was completely nuts, that he was about 90% sure he was going to be retiring this offseason. Then he went into his darkness retreat, came out of that, checked with a couple of teammates with the Packers, found out that the Packers are moving on from him and shopping him and that they would like to move on to Jordan Love. And Rogers said in this interview that he thinks the world of Jordan Love, he thinks Love's going to be a very good player for the Packers. But once he saw that, that the Packers were moving forward, he wanted to take a week, work out, work his butt off, see if he still has it, believes he has it, and says that he now desires to play 
with the Jets. Other teams were interested, and other teams contacted the Packers about this, but he desires to play with the Jets. And the wish list that we all had heard about as well, whether it includes Eldon Beckham Jr. or you know, Mercedes Lewis or Randall Cobb, and we know Alan Lazard's already signed there. He said he never did make any sort of demands or wish list, but obviously he talked with the Jets about certain players that he liked playing with and gave yeah. his opinion on those players. But the interesting part about this, guys, is that now Jets fans know that Aaron Rodgers wants to come and play for them. And the Packers know that that's out there as well. And they are in no rush to get this deal done. Aaron Rodgers isn't the one holding this up. The compensation between the two sides is what's holding this up. They're not asking for two ones. But at the same time, with the way his contract is structured, the Packers have the ability to kind of wait this out and try to draw the hand of the Jets now that all their fan base knows that Aaron Rodgers wants to play there. That's what's going to make this interesting. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen months from now. Really, the contract situation is week one. That's the fascinating aspect. So assuming the deal actually does uh, go through, and like Ehlers said, uh, we're not being uh, bamboozled, <laughs> where do you think the Jets yeah. now slot into the AFC East? Obviously, it's a really good division already. You have the Bills. You have the Dolphins, who always seem like they're on the up and up. Hasn't, things haven't been going great for the Patriots last couple of years. But the Jets already with a top five defense in DVOA, like they are going to be a good team. But just how good do you see them being in the AFC East? Hey, Jesse, if they had okay quarterback play mm -hmm. last year, they were a playoff team. I think that's that's not a, a out of school statement to make by any means. This is a very good defense. This is an offense that has a lot of young talent. You have the reigning rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson that's going to be there. Uh, catching passes from potentially Aaron Rodgers if he lands or we have to keep saying potentially. <laughs> yeah. But I do think we, we saw this twice now recently. So all of our expectations, I think, as NFL fans are very high, right? Tom Brady leaves, goes to Tampa, wins a Super Bowl immediately. Matthew Stafford leaves Detroit, goes to L.A., wins a Super Bowl immediately. Mm -hmm. That's pretty lofty expectations, I guess, for Aaron Rodgers to go and do the same. Now, what is in his favor is that the Jets offensive coordinator is Nathaniel Hackett, and he talked about Hackett at length on Pat McAfee's show. Their relationship, I know it firsthand, is one of the best and closest you see between a coach and player. When Hackett was with him in Green Bay, he thinks the world of Hackett. I think that helps in terms of speeding up the process, in terms of getting all of this working as quickly as possible. But you still have the bills that are very good. You see the moves that the Miami Dolphins made in this offseason already with the trade they made for Jalen Ramsey and solidified their backfield. In the division, I'm not sure if they're the best team. And he also goes from the NFC to the AFC, which, by the way, you got to get through Patrick Holmes and Joe Burrow. And honestly, I could put Trevor Lawrence on that list with the way Jacksonville finished the season and Justin Herbert. The list goes on in the AFC. It's not going to be easy uh, by any means, but it's going to be fun to watch, I think. All right, so maybe Aaron Rodgers to the Jets at the one-yard line. Like, mm. hopefully we don't go backwards at all. Let's just get over there. Yeah, um, we're, yeah we're right <laughs> there. We're right there, yeah. okay. Um, how about Lamar Jackson's situation? It's gone a little bit of quiet now since we saw mm. team after team after team publicly stating that they're not interested anymore. What's going on behind the scenes with Lamar Jackson and his pending contract? Well, now those teams have to put their money where their mouth is. They could have said, you know, a few days ago publicly, we're not interested. Well, at 4 o'clock today, they were able to finally pick up the phone and contact Lamar Jackson. You have to remember, his situation's a little bit different because he doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself. It's really just him and his mom doing business uh, with the NFL. 
which is a bit wild, but he's not the only player that does it. There's other guys that have done it and still do it. But that the, the reason of that is when the tampering period opened up on Monday, that's when agents can start talking to teams. If you don't have an agent, you can't start talking to teams until 4 o'clock on Wednesday. So now is when people were able to start contacting Lamar from NFL teams, and they are calling him. That is happening to my understanding. Now, they're checking to see where things stand, right? Is, is it a guaranteed contract? Do you need more than the $230 million that Deshaun Watson signed of a fully guaranteed five-year contract? Is that what you're looking for? They're kicking the tires to find out what one of the best players in the NFL is looking for. And for the first time in two years, he's getting a chance to truly see what his market is, to truly see what other teams are thinking of him because he's been trying to negotiate a deal for two years now with the Baltimore Ravens. It hasn't happened. They've offered him, I'll tell you because I know, a lot of money, uh, and it hasn't been exactly what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to see if anybody else is offering that. That's when things are going to get interesting. It's a fascinating situation. You just wonder how it's all going to yeah. play out. Uh, obviously, a lot of other movement uh, today in the National Football League. Uh, one of the moves that uh, caught my eye was Baker Mayfield signing a one-year deal to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that where we're at now? The <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers' successor for Tom Brady is going to be Baker Mayfield, who, no disrespect, former first overall uh, pick, and did play a lot better with the Rams last year. But is that the he, direction he, the Bucs are going to go? Did. You're right, he did, but this is four teams in four years. And listen, Baker said he always wanted to play like Tom Brady. Now he's just going to where Brady just was playing, I guess. I, You know, we were talking that there's a lot of competitions that happen in the NFL during training camp, and, and, and this is going to be a true quarterback competition. A lot of times that's a lie. <laughs> they already know the team, the organization knows. They just want to push one of the players. Between Kyle Trask, who's a second-round pick, uh, from a few years ago and has been learning under Tom Brady there in Tampa. I think that's something we should remember and played with a really good cast of characters down in Florida when he was playing his college ball, with Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts and Damian Pierce, a lot of guys that are turning heads in the NFL. It's going to be him and Baker Mayfield going at it. And I think the last time we saw an open competition was decided pretty early mm -hmm. between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield that Mayfield was going to go out and win that one. I think this was really, there were very, Jesse, a lot of limited spots for him. Uh, to land to where you get a legitimate chance to start. This was one of them. There's still good targets there to throw the football to, you know, and Chris Godwin and in, and in, um, yeah. Mike Evans. Like, you have pieces. We'll see what he can do. But I'll tell you, it's it's always fun to watch Baker compete. And now that he has a quarterback competition, it's, it makes it even more fun. I hope it's one of my training camp stops. Not the greatest division in the NFL either. So uh, that no, for sure right. is going to be interesting. James, uh, I know it's been an incredibly busy day for you. So we really appreciate you stopping by and chatting some NFL with us. Uh, thanks again for doing this. No problem, guys. I won't say go abs, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, Nate McKinnon has been ridiculous lately. Uh, on the other side, we'll update Canada uh, and Mexico. It is not going great, uh, but we will update it nonetheless. We visit with Sean McKenzie at Scotiabank Arena, ahead of the Leafs and aforementioned abs, plus Anthony Stewart on the Flames, Jets, Oilers. We'll talk about McDavid and Dreisaitl. And also the GM meetings as Gary Bettman shoots down changes to the playoff format. Tim and Friends with Ailish and Jesse. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe. Friends of the show. 
Thank you to the Juno-nominated Juno-nominated. Hey, there, there we go. Ailish uh, Forfar and Jesse Rubinoff back with you here on mm. Tim and Friends. Tim will be back tomorrow, and I will be back home with my puppy quite soon. But we have half, an hour, half an hour ahead yeah, before Hockey Central here. Um, Sean McKenzie and Anthony Stewart. Yeah, Sean McKenzie and Anthony Stewart coming up in moments. Mm -hmm. But first, let's get you caught up on what's happening with Canada and Mexico. Because it's a win in advance mm. game at the World Baseball Classic over on Sportsnet 1. Uh, winner advances to the quarterfinals, something Canada has never done at the World Baseball Classic. Things looking good before the game, at least. Uh, they sent 30-year-old Rob Zestrizny to the bump, to top of the first, two on, one out. Zestrizny comes set and breaks his hands before stepping off. That's a, a balk. Runners move to second and third. And on the next pitch, former Blue Jay Rowdy Telez flare into center. That soft base hit scores two. Mexico goes up to zip early. Bottom of the first. Bases loaded for Blue Jays prospect Otto Lopez. Clutch. Base hit up the middle. Run scores. Canada cuts the deficit in half. Top of the second, Randy Arozarena. Pretty good player. Blue Jays fans know that guy well, his liner goes all the way to the wall. Austin Barnes scores from first. Mexico goes back up by two. Bottom of the fourth, Jose Urquidy hangs a curveball. And Bo Naylor says, I'll show you exactly what I'm going to do to that if you hang a curveball. It's gone. First homer of the tournament. Canada back within a run. Top of the sixth. Mexico threatening with the bases loaded. A Rosarena. Back of the dish, ground sends ball. a ground ball down the line, down gets into the corner as my voice cracks, bounces around. All three runners coming to score. Part of a four-run inning, Mexico leads 7-2. And there's this is getting sad here, celebration. Jesse. Top of the seventh, bases loaded again for Arena. Hit by the pitch, that brings it a run. Arena sets the record for most RBI in a WBC by a Mexico player with nine, oh. nine, even signing autographs during a pitching change in the seventh. Mexico in control, up 9-2 at the moment. If you squint hard enough. Big glove. There's the big hat. <laughs> that's, uh, that's had sort cool. of uh, an emergence lately. There's now the big glove. Um, and that's basically what, what's transpiring on Sportsnet 1 between Mexico and Canada. That's the stage of the game that we're at, bottom of the seventh. And it is not a good situation for Canada now 9-3 as they try and work their way back. But, you know, even if they lose, there is a one in million billion chance oh, tell me. that they can get through. And the situation is if Colombia beats the U.S., the second tiebreaker, which is what Canada would need, is lowest quotient of fewest runs allowed divided by the number of defensive outs recorded in games between the teams that are tied. I'm going to go out and say that Canada is not going to get through on that. So a very difficult pathway. Okay, this isn't my SAT practice session. And difficult pathway to Canada if they do lose this game. And 9-3, it's not looking good in the bottom of the seventh. That game again on Sportsnet 1, if you would like to flip over to see that. If you squint hard enough, the red team's winning could be Canada. All right, two hockey and a marquee matchup at Scotiabank Arena tonight as the Leafs host the Cup champs. The Avs coming off an 8-4 win in Montreal and sit third in the Central Division while the Leafs lost to the Sabres last time out as they battle with the Lightning for home ice in round one. With more, let's send it over to Sean McKenzie live at Scotiabank Arena. Sean. Yeah, yeah. 
Ailish, the Avalanche coming off a very impressive performance against the Montreal Canadiens. The Maple Leafs coming off a very forgettable performance against the Buffalo Sabres. In fact, following the game on Monday night, Sheldon Key said it was the team's worst second period of the season. They were not very good at all. But there was one positive you're a Maple Leafs fan. That was Austin Matthews finding the back of the net. That is three straight games he has scored a goal. And it's been a unique season for Austin Matthews. He hasn't quite looked like himself. We know he's been dealing with injuries. He spoke to Jonas Siegel, the athletic, mentioned that he was dealing with an injured hand, but saying this morning that it feels good, it feels strong, and we could be seeing Austin Matthews heat up right when the Maple Leafs will need him most. You know, I think just offensively we've had a little bit more, um, you know, time with the puck, some more uh, great opportunities, and I think that always helps just kind of get the feet moving and the confidence going. The swagger like usual. Um, you know, he's just got the confidence when he gets the puck. He's making plays, and um, he's finding himself a nice set. Uh, he's getting the puck in good spots. So I think for me it's just trying to keep playing the way we've been playing and uh, try to find him in areas that he can succeed in. And that's more of what uh, we like to see from him in terms of just getting around the ice and and. and being looks like he's light and free and all of that so that's that's been really nice it's been a few games now he's been really skating well an off season for austin matthews is all relative though he's got more than 30 goals he's on pace for 40 he's been hitting more than ever he's been great defensively it just goes to show how good he was last season that when you look at his numbers and his performance this season you go he's not quite himself. Matthew speaking today saying, yeah, he knows that things and won't always be sunshine and rainbows. He's going to go through ups and downs. But for him, it's all about the team's success. He says that's really all that matters to him, not the goal totals, not the success. But he says right now he's feeling good. And tonight we'll see Ilya Samsonov in net against the defending cup champs. Sean, Monday uh, you were on the show and I said in a perfect world would the Leafs want Matt Murray to be their night one starter in the postseason because of the experience he has in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Obviously, that, didn't, that night did not go well for him, and four goals allowed in five straight games. Uh, is this now Ilya Samsonov's net, and he can run with it if he continues to play the way he's been playing as of late? I think in a week from now, we'll be having this debate again, saying, is it going to be Matt Murray's net? Is it going to be Samsonov's net? I think, like I said last time, we're just going to have to watch and see. It was interesting, though, because after that game, Sheldon Keefe was adamant and very positive yes. about Matt Murray, saying the numbers aren't pretty, but we really like what we've seen. So, like I mentioned then, I think they, in a perfect world, probably would like him to be the starter, so they'll give him the runway. They'll allow it. Clearly, the numbers haven't looked good for Matt Murray in the last two games, but Sheldon Keefe, playing positive man saying that he likes what he's seen and so far they clearly want to keep that positive energy around Matt Murray so I think we're going to keep seeing a split I think they're going to give him more runway but there's no denying that Ilya Samsonov especially at home has been yeah. the Maple Leafs number one goaltender. All right thanks we'll we'll recycle this conversation next week and see which <laughs> goaltenders taking this game one in the Stanley Cup. Can't playoffs wait enjoy you. the game John. <laughs> thanks John. All right, uh, well, let's keep rolling with the hockey talk. Uh, keep with the network guys as well because we got our buddy Anthony Stewart joining us. Right? Yes, indeed. Stewie. I he's just down the road, though. Stewie, come on. Aren't you in the studio? I know I don't come on the I show much. The, I left a pen in the but car. But I'm pretty yeah. sure your studio is like uh, a quick toss down the hallway. Am yeah, I'm actually uh, right above you guys. Can you hear me giving you a little tap there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
it was thundery outside, but I guess it's just you hoofing around up there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hear anything. Um, I got a bone to pick with Ailish here. It's like go for I'm, it. I'm go supposed to be the hardest working yeah. person in the company here. How how many jobs you got? You got more jobs than I do. That's great to see. You know what? You're the only young one, Stewie. You got to work your way up the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. Take any opportunity possible. But I appreciate the support. And you know what? I'll get, I'll hand you back the the trophy after this week. I'm exhausted. <laughs> the sleep, the sleep is always a topic of conversation whenever Ailish comes yeah, on the I'll show. I'll teach her the uh, the cloning uh, methodology <laughs> next. Uh, that's uh, be a little secret there. Uh, Stewie, I want to ask you. Obviously, the uh, the Leafs and Avs tonight. Uh, another big game. Um, I want to ask you about. Sheldon Keefe and the the influx of uh, new personnel on this team on this roster is it possible is there a world where they're doing too much experimentation with the roster in terms of the 11-7 that there's a world in where the chemistry might be thrown off eventually because of just how they're trying to make everything work and see what you can do ahead of the postseason. Well, any time that you add six new guys to a roster, there's going to be a bit of a, a growing pains period. So mm -hmm. you need time to sort of gel and get used to practices. Remember, some of these players are coming over with families. You saw Luke Shen just getting into town after the birth of uh, you know, his young family member as well. It takes time to get accustomed to the new systems and that. But the one part uh, that is a positive here, that the Leafs do have some wiggle room in the standing. It's probably going to be Tampa Bay in the first round. So they have time to experiment. But for me, I think it's when it's all said and done, uh, the 11 and it's seven experiment. I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. I think they're going to go back to uh, 12 and six because, again, you've got too many defensemen. It's tough to really get into a rhythm. You got guys sitting for two, three minutes, especially during uh, power play and penalty kill time yeah. as well. So I think you have to go the 12 and six. It's just that's the way. That's them the rules, as they would say. Well, you were always a top line, never had to do the 11-7, and seven, just always out there, always top line, uh, never had to, to go with the chemistry issue whatsoever, so I don't know why you bother asking me that question. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about what we just talked about with Sean McKenzie, though, because this is another hot topic, is the goaltending discussion. Um, I don't know what your level of confidence is, that's not really what I'm going for, but how should they deploy the, the two netminders throughout the stretch? Is it, hey, a friendly competition that these two might be battling it out, or do you know that in the back of your mind that they've got one picked? Well, I think the fact that we don't know as outsiders shows that I think that was the plan all along. And when you had Murray and Samsonov, the plan was to be 1A, 1B. And you saw Murray, uh, you know, get hurt for an extended period of time, excuse me. Uh, and Samsonov really weathered the storm and held the fort down, especially during the injuries to all those defensemen. So right now I think Samsonov's the, the guy. We're sitting here talking about it. You know, how is it even a debate when he's sitting with a 23-8 and eight record uh, with a 9.15 save percentage? So what I like about Samsonov is we, we, we talk about it, you manages your smiles and your cries. No high is too high, no low is too low. After a win, he's like, yeah, no big deal. And when they lose, you know what, I suck on to the next game. So I think he's the goalie that can really manage those expectations. There's high expectations, especially in the playoffs right now. But again, you got to see what Murray brings to the table. He's a guy that has pedigree. Mm -hmm. You know, he can play in big games. He has that experience. So if one falters, you got to know what you have in the other guy that can step in. But I think Samsonov is the guy uh, going forward. You mentioned earlier that the Leafs know who they're going to be playing in the postseason. Uh, they have known that for quite some time. And Gary Bettman today was asked about the playoff format and said that it's going well, it's working well, and he's not going to change it. Uh, what did you make of hearing those comments from Gary Bettman? Because I, I, I understand 
especially if you go onto social media and see we posted the clip and there are a lot of people, a lot of fans that have a lot of opinions <laughs> about the playoff format. Uh, where do you stand on the playoff format? Well, I think we have to find, a, I didn't hear the comments, but we have to find a better way. Just think of all the amazing teams that are going to be out after the first round. The Devils could be out. Carolina could be out. So I really, I, I think we should take it a step further and go one through 16. Do you know you could take a train from like here to LA in like four, you know, three and a half hours? There's bullet trains. You could take planes now and go up into the altitude. I'm not a flat earther, but you can get there and travel fairly quickly as opposed to, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago too. So why not go two, three, two and have an LA versus New York? So I'm taking it a step further. I want to see one through 16, not just one through eight. Well, you could be like a spokesperson for a travel agency. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Minister of Transportation. Soul plane. Yeah, <laughs> take the soul plane. We get you to LA in three hours. I Student love it. I'm, on, I'm buying tickets. I'm tapping away. It's Give me perfect. This. It might be expensive to have all that infra infrastructure, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's a great idea. Hey, they've been doing construction on the Eglinton yeah. TTC for <laughs> yeah, years. I don't want a bullet train until they that's can fix true. that. All right, Stewie. Um, Someone they don't need to fix is Mitch Marner. He's just been playing lights out this season. Uh, Selkie candidate. We've been having this conversation, mm -hmm. pushing it in, starting the dialogue. What do you just make of the way he's been able to perform on both ends of the ice this season? It's amazing to watch. And I think what sets, separates him from the other stars on the team is he makes his teammates better. How many times have we heard about someone struggling, going through a rough patch for two, three weeks, and you put Mitch Marner on the line, and he just reiterates re the line right away. So just the passes that he's making, and he's doing it with no time, no space. It's world-class level. So I know we're in the, the mecca of Toronto, uh, the mecca of the hockey market right now, but he is an underrated player. And, again, I had a chance to watch him live a couple times. And just seeing those space passes he's making in tight space, it's definitely amazing to watch. It's making me a hockey fan again. Ooh, there's uh, hope for you. Yeah, there's hope. Um, I want to shift gears quickly, uh, Stewie, to the Edmonton Oilers, who uh, beat the Sens, and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl continue to get it done. Dreisaitl eclipses the Sens. Mark McDavid is putting up points that we haven't seen since Lemieux, quite frankly. Uh, just how impressed have you been? It's it, We talk about this every single day on the show, but how ridiculous McDavid and Dreisaitl have been. But why don't we focus in, key on, on Dreisaitl, who eclipses the century mark last night. You know, there's talk about him uh, not being in the MVP conversation, but he he's a big part of this uh, Edmonton Oilers offense. But I want to talk about McDavid a little bit as well, yeah. too. I'm going to do my Bob Babinski shuffle. Uh, and, and people are talking about, you know, he's putting up a lot of points on the power play. If it was easy, everybody would have done it. And what I like about him is he's stepping up, scoring a lot of big goals with just the speed, and he's head and shoulders above everybody else. But, you know, I think for the Edmonton Oilers, they're getting some complimentary scoring. They're bottom six. You've got guys with 12, 13, 14 goals, too. So I think if they get the goaltending, they're going to be poised. But we're on the excuse me, we're on the urge of history here watching some of these players now. Connor McDavid is putting up an amazing, amazing mm -hmm. season right now. And, and again, I'm, like I said, we talk about being a hockey fan. As an analyst, I'm a, I'm a hockey fan first as well. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Ottawa Senators uh, earlier in the show. It, it, just a, a tough time to have a bit of a slump because they had so much momentum going into the weekend. The weekend did not go well. And then again last night, uh, that didn't go well either. Is that the end of the road for the Ottawa Senators? Uh, a valiant effort, but uh, next year? Uh, I was one of the guys that quadrupled down on them making the playoffs, but I'm checking my computer <laughs> Every now. time I talk to Stewie, it's about it's the It's over. It's sorry. It's Aww. over. But the one thing is they're, they're one of the most exciting teams and the best advice I ever got. You sell wins or you sell... Uh, sell the future and you sell hope and they're mm -hmm. very very hopeful for the coming years right now they're going to have a big sale new ownership's going to come in and this Ottawa Senators team is very very <laughs> bright future you're looking at Stutzla having an amazing season as well Kachuk so I'm very very hopeful for the bright future of the Senators I'm going to quadruple down on them making it next year 
All right, one more wraparound of the Canadian teams. Jets, Flames, which one has the best opportunity of making a playoff run here? I was going to say Flames before the Arizona loss last night. Ooh. So, again, I know uh, we have some fans in Calgary watching. I'm sorry to say, if you have any uh, problems, uh, hit me up on Twitter at David Amber so you can uh, <laughs> air your grievances out there. But, you know, the Jets, the one thing I wonder about every single year around this time is Hellebuck facing too many shots. Is he getting too much work? Uh, you saw David Riddick play uh, last game as well, too. So I think the Jets are in a bit of a rough patch right now. But I also triple down on Nashville making it, too. I know they were sellers at the deadline. And, again, they got three games in hand right now. They're three, four points out as well, too. So I think it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, I think Calgary's going to be on the outside looking in. But I think Winnipeg's going to surprise a lot of teams this year uh, in the playoffs for sure. Uh, so just to confirm, that's at David Amber, right? At David Amber, yes. Okay. And he triple, capital D. He's also responsible for the noise in here, right? Yeah. So I'll yeah. tweet him. Oh, that's JD Bunkus. Sorry, that. that's Bunkus. That's Bunkus. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Stewie, thanks so much for doing this as always. Right. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thank you. All right, time for one last break here on Tim and Friends. This is amazing. We'll get to some Champions League highlights and uh, just wild, wild scenes in Naples. Uh, you're going to want to see it. Uh, plus, game time ahead of Hockey Central. That's next. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Jesse and Ailish with you. Uh, the Champions League round of 16 wrapping up today with the final two quarterfinal spots to be decided. Both Real Madrid and Napoli looking comfortable heading home, but chaotic scenes <laughs> in Napoli marred the day as Frankfurt hooligans, along with Atalanta hooligans, clashed with Napoli supporters in the center of Naples. Uh, Frankfurt had denied their away ticket allocation after talks with Italian authorities, but the ultras made the trip anyway, and it led to, as you're seeing, scary scenes all afternoon and evening in southern Italy. Big time yikes. Let's get to the game. Napoli and Eintracht Frankfurt. First half injury time. Matteo Politano crosses Victor Ossiman. Heads it home. Napoli up 1-0 and 3-0 on aggregate. Ossiman's been great lately. 53rd minute Giovanni Di Lorenzo, square across to Ossiman. He puts it home and injures his arm on the play. It's tough, though. Stays in the match. Napoli up 4-0 on aggregate. Look like it hurt. I'm with him on that. 62nd minute, Eintracht commit a foul on Pitor Zielinski in the area. The referee calls instantly for a penalty. Zielinski steps to the spot. Oh! Puts it right down the middle to beat the keeper. That is my move in FIFA. Napoli are through to the quarterfinals, winning 5-0 on Agri. What are you laughing about? Well, now everyone's going to beat you. They don't know my name. Uh -oh. Special username. <laughs> Real Madrid and Liverpool. Liverpool down 5-2 on aggregate to Real Madrid. 33rd minute, Darwin Nunez finds some space and goes for goal. But Thibaut Courtois. Pushes it to the corner, 36th minute, more pressure from the Reds. Cody Gakpo fires one on goal, but again, Courtois stands tall, or I guess dives tall, makes a save, 78th minute. Madrid put this one out of reach. Vinicius Jr. whiffs on it, but manages to feed Karim Benzema. It's a good man to pass it to. Real Madrid advances to the quarterfinals, 6-2 on aggregate, and the quarterfinal draw goes on Friday. All right, well, here's what's happening on the network tonight. Another busy one. As Coach Bank Wednesday Night Hockey follows us, leaves hosting the Avs. It's winner go home between Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic on Sportsnet 1. Then the United States and Colombia later on Sportsnet 
with NBA action on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. We need more eyeballs. All right, the Masters are a little over three Ooh, weeks away already. Let's go. Let's go. Defending champion Scotty Scheffler set the menu for the champion's dinner. Mm, starting with the cheeseburger sliders oh, and it. firecracker shrimp. Love it. Then tortilla soup, followed by the main, that wasn't the main course, the main course of your own Texas ribeye steak or blackened redfish. And for dessert, a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. <laughs> I'm starving it's an after reading question. this. What would you rather? I know what's coming. What it's an impossible question. On your master's menu, like what would you be putting on there? I, I honestly don't. You'd I have to win a golf tournament first, which will never happen. But uh, I'm a big fan of um, pizza, pasta, that sort of thing. But I don't think that would fly at the master's what are you dinner. Like, honestly, I think it would look. Twelve year old a, at a hockey I, tournament. Yeah, but like I think it would look a lot like Scotty Scheffler's menu. That's yeah, pretty. To be honest. Like that's immaculate dining. Are you steak or as I shift the question, I do the. Uh, I would have steak for shuffle. sure. Steak over that black and shrimp, a little surf and turf action. Scotty Scheffler, man, like, shout out, and he obviously just won players. An outright bad hit for me. Let's go. Oh, like, I mean, you got to bet on him again for the Masters. He's already won once. Pretty crazy. Let's get this going. Uh, okay, tough news for the Avs. They'll be without forward Arturi Lekkinen for four to six weeks, and maybe even more, according to Jared Bednar, due to a broken finger. Lekkinen has 20 goals and 49 points this season, and was a key part of the Avalanche playoff run all the way to a Stanley Cup championship last season. Ailish, how big of a loss is this if we can shift gears from thinking about what your menu I'm would be? I'm still so hungry. What uh, would your menu be quickly? Uh, Man, steak and shrimp and lobster. So the exact same thing. East that Coast. I, just said I mean, like a, like a good East Coast chowder. That's something okay. they missed on. Okay, there. that's a little wrinkle. Uh, How big of a loss is Lekanen? Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, I would say not as big as Ashnikov for the mm -hmm. Hurricanes, but I mean they they're both there's some all stars there getting uh, out of the lineup when things matter down the stretch here, but. The Avs have a pretty hefty lineup as well, so I would say if I'm comparing the two a little less, but still pretty significant, uh, his his injury here down the stretch for a team that's looking to defend the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, they've had injury issues all season long, mm -hmm. and somehow there still looks like they're going to get into the dance, and I would not want to be playing a team that's as no, battle-tested as the Colorado Avalanche coming off a cup win last year. No shortage in star power tonight. Leafs and Avs and Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon have mm. been on fire lately. Matthews riding a three-game goal streak, while McKinnon has a five-game goal streak. All right. In fact, McKinnon has scored in 13 of his last 15 games. Any good bets for any time goals tonight? Yeah, actually. I checked this out. Uh, Matthews is minus 109 mm. to score, and McKinnon, who has a goal in 13 of his last 15 games, is plus... 105, Interesting. Which seems like a pretty good bet. You're getting plus money. Uh, but of course, uh, please gamble responsibly and do your own due diligence. Don't take my word for it. It just seems like a hey. 13 goal in 13 of 15 games. Um, former I, former Leaf, Denny yeah. Malgin, also in action tonight. There you go. Uh, I do have some uh, relatively breaking news. Uh, Marley Rivera is reporting that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will. Uh, be in attendance for the Dominican Republic Puerto Rico. No way. Game. Attendance as a fan? As I read the tweet for the first time along <gasps> with the viewership, uh, many Dominican players from the New York Yankees oh. will be flying down to Miami Town for the Dominican Republic Puerto Rico game. So he's going to watch. You know, maybe he just throws on jurors, though. We know it's possible that he still has to have that conversation with uh, the Blue Jays front office and, and John Schneider of whether uh, he's going to suit up for. 
the Dominican Republic. Pretty tempting, you know, just throw them in DH there. They're already stacked, <laughs> and uh, obviously Blue Jays fans, I don't know, he's obviously, he, he loves to represent his country. Yes. We know that about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but at the same time, Canadians know what can happen when you have players go to the World Baseball Classic, Freddie Freeman, injured. Winner go home. And winner go home did not uh, end up working out with the score now. 10-3. Yeah, it's a tough one. 10-3 in the top of the ninth. So it uh, looks like the clock is striking midnight on Team Canada against A valiant Mexico. effort. But definitely uh, a valiant effort. Well, I'm going to have a beaver tail. I'd put that on my master's dinner. Would you? A beaver tail, some with poutine. clam chowder? Go Canada. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for doing this thank the last you. couple days. Tim will be back. Uh, tomorrow, but it was fun. Donovan on Monday, you yesterday, and today was My dog awesome. Bunker also sprinkled in there. Bunker, uh, yeah, but for now it's off to <laughs> Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey as the Leafs host the Avalanche. Carolyn Cameron and the Hockey Central Panel starts now.